Welcome to Diverse, the podcast of the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women at all levels in engineering and technology. And one way we do that is through professional development events and online workshops. Visit www.exec.swe.org to learn more about our empowering and engaging three-day event for engineering leaders and executives taking place this June. Or attend one of our three virtual Reignite Your Light workshops designed to help women engineers at every level find happiness, balance, and direction in their careers. To learn more, visit advancedlearning.swe.org. Now let's get to today's diverse episode. Hello, I'm Karen Hording, Executive Director and CEO of the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's diverse podcast series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Please visit swe.org for more details. I have to say, I am so excited to be joined today by Khan Vu, Executive Director and CEO at SACE, which is the Society of Asian Scientists and Engineers. I've known Khan for a number of years, and it's always been great working with him on things within the STEM community. Khan and his family immigrated to the U.S. from Vietnam at the end of the Vietnam conflict. Khan graduated from the Colorado School of Mines with a degree in chemical engineering and three minors. He worked for Amoco after graduation as a production engineer. He subsequently went to work for the family businesses, Asian grocery and real estate. He helped grow the family business to become the largest Asian grocer in the region. And after selling the retail business, Khan continued to work in real estate. But his passion for helping young adults and fondness for mines led him back to accepting the position as the fourth director of the Multicultural Engineering Program, or MEP, which Khan was part of the MEP's inception in 1989 as a student and was instrumental in the founding of the Asian Student Association in the early 90s, which later became PASIS, the Professional Asian Society of Engineers and Scientists, which eventually merged with SACE. As a Society of Asian Scientists and Engineers volunteer, Khan helped plan the 2011 National Conference. He later joined SACE that year as the full-time executive director. He oversaw the doubling of the collegiate chapters and tripling in membership during his first year at SACE. SACE has now become the largest professional Asian American organization in the U.S. by numbers of chapters, conference size, and organizational support. He looks forward to growing SACE to its full potential. And most recently, he was named as one of the 100 Asians to know in Denver by Asian Avenue Magazine. Wow. Thanks for joining us today, Khan. Aaron, it's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure talking to you and always a pleasure to be with Sui, a, a strong ally and a fond memories from my college days. Well, Khan, how about if we start out talking a little bit about your career and why STEM? What initially attracted you to engineering as a career path? Well, probably in a typical Asian family, you were given kind of two choices, either become a doctor or an engineer. So it was a very kind of immigrant family kind of a direction guiding in your career. But I had a love for math and chemistry. And so, you know, taking that in high school, being part of the math club, uh, math competition, uh, 
Mesa and all the other math and STEM oriented organization led me to, you know, love engineering and the challenges of engineering. So that's where I was. It's kind of nice that my love corresponds with what my parents wanted me to do. So that was an easier one. I know there are a lot of other Asians who don't have that choice as much. Yeah. Well, that's great. It sounds like they were very encouraging of you pursuing your education. Definitely. So I know then you spent a little time in industry, but then went back to help with the family businesses. So how did Mines kind of get you back after, I, I know you sold the business, but I'm sure you had options. So how did they, how did they um, lure you back, so to speak? So I, I technically say that I was requ- uh, retired at the age of 32 because my parents sold the business and it was a family business. And so my parents retired and I was retiring on their coattails. About a year and a half into my quote unquote retirement at the age of 32, my parents decided that I, I should be unretired because I was sleeping in until about 10 or 11 o'clock every day. And they said that, you know, that'd be very bad for my children seeing me sleep in till 10 or 11 o'clock every day. And so they said that I should probably either go back to school or find a job that I love. And during the time when I was off, I volunteered at my church and really helped youths uh, during those times, kind of finding what they want to do in life and where they're at. And so I mentioned this uh, to Minds because I always go back every year to celebrate the banquet. and. The position was open, so they invited me to apply for that position, and that's how come you know I became the executive director over the MEP program. Uh, I've been connected with that program since I graduated and since the founding of that program, so um, it was a natural fit. And and maybe just share a little bit about why those MEP programs are so important. Yeah, thanks for asking that question. MEP programs are super important because, as we know when you think about traditional engineering, you see a white male. That's, you know, the the whole uh, glasses and pocket protector, not so much pocket protectors nowadays, but it's really the the view that we need to get and diversify the STEM field. You know, women, people of underserved backgrounds. I think it's important these programs are um, key to helping and open pathways to folks who aren't traditionally exposed to engineering, both in recruiting, role modeling, support while they're in college, helping them build connections and network. These MEP programs across the United States are critical to diversifying our STEM field. And we know that STEM is important uh, for the economy, for the growth of the United States. And so we don't engage many of the people who are not traditionally in the STEM field. I think we're doing a disservice to the country. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think the um, the women in engineering programs are equally as important. And I love when I see collaboration on campus between the minority engineering programs and the women in engineering programs, because I, I think it just, it strengthens all the things you talked about, of, you know, as to why they're important. Yeah, you know, we need allies. I mean, you know, when I started in engineering, it was, uh, I think, around 12% women. It's gotten better, but it's only at a quarter to a third still. I mean, all given all this time, you would imagine that we've made better progress in that. Um, same thing with uh, you know people of color. Um, I think there's still a lot of efforts that we need to work. And then when we come, when we can come together, I think it's important for us to show that we are good allies and that you know our cause is the same. 
really at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you said, I think it's so important to the country because right now so many people are being left out. And at a time when engineering and technology is so important, we, we really can't afford it anymore. Agreed. So tell me a little bit, it sounds like SACE has always played an important role for you, but maybe share a little bit about your transition from a SACE volunteer to becoming the CEO. Well, uh, you know, in college, I helped start the Asian Student Association on an engineering campus. And so that's has been my DNA since I was in college. And even after I left, you know, I was still involved with the MEP program, even when I was in industry and even when I, quote, unquote, was retired. And so it's always been in my blood to, to, to part of my identity of who I am. Uh, obviously, I'm Asian, but I love the, the STEM aspect as far as what it brings to the table and what opportunity it brings to people who don't necessarily have those opportunity. Um, you know, as an immigrant to the United States, um, I lived in government housing. I was on food stamp, welfare, but thank goodness that we had a drive. My parents had a drive to push us to get out of that situation and really take advantage. And through their business and also through, you know, STEM, I've been able to get out of that situation per se. Uh, not a lot of people can, you know, um, and I think especially when you see multi-generational folks who don't have those role models, don't know that there's an opportunity in STEM. So it was natural for me to volunteer for SACE. And then when the opportunity for SACE to grow, to have a full-time executive director, they asked me to step into those shoes. And um, I had happily and gladly stepped into those shoes because it, it really is a, it's a mission focus that it's part of my mission in life is to affect the people around me, uh, especially people like me when came, coming to the United States and we didn't know what college was about. You know, we didn't, we didn't have role models. And so I love the fact that, you know, I'm helping folks for the first time seeing that there are opportunities in the STEM field that they may have, may have never considered before. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, you've really hit on something, and I know it's something we do when we um, have outreach with young girls and their parents, is to talk about that with a four-year engineering degree, you can have an amazing career, impact the world, and earn a salary that does really allow you to have a great quality of life. And, and I think being able to share that message more is important for both our organizations. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, I read the studies on on SWE and how girls are impressionable, and whether they choose a, a track like STEM, it starts in middle school or late in elementary school. You know, the role modeling, the support, the encouragement are so key to help folks stay on track because we know that engineering, especially math, they're very track oriented. If you fall off the track, it's very hard to get back on. So I agree with you that you know, we need to encourage more folks to engage in STEM. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think our missions are so aligned there. Well, I know a lot of what you do within SACE is around giving visibility to leaders, um, to AAPI leaders within the STEM fields, and especially women. Can you maybe share why that visibility is so important? Yeah, I mean, it's a topic I've seen it in the news recently about the model minority myth. The model minority myth speaks about how Asians are the perfect model. And it was created back in the 60s, really as a term to divide uh, the community of color. 
And what it says about the Asian community is that we're the perfect model in the sense we're good at working, we're reserved, we've achieved some success, but it it's flipped on its head in the sense that it challenges and it destroys some of the things that the Asian community needs, such as it makes us invisible. We're like, we're good. We don't need any help. Well, you know, we don't need to be discussed in any of the conversation, whether politically, whether uh, career-wise. The Asian community is so diverse. We have over 50 plus different nationalities within the Asian, um, you know, community. And by ignoring, you know, and, and really making a monolith of the Asian community, there are Asians who are below the poverty line who don't go to college. And so those folks need the attention, need the help. And Asians aren't just quiet, you know, the Asian leaders exist, but the problem with the model minority is that people see Asians as not leaders, as good worker bees. And so the, the issues of Asians being leaders within their field is a challenge and it's something that SACE takes to heart and we try to address in, you know, in our mission. And particularly with women, you know, the Asian women have a double, what we call you know, a double bind or a bamboo and a glass ceiling because they're both seen as docile, but yet they have the stigma of some of the stereotypes of women mm-hmm. too. And so I think it's, it's hard. And that's why we're, you know, this coming June, we have a women leadership conference to address some of those issues, to help raise awareness about that. Yeah, well, I think that's a good segue. So maybe can you share uh, a few details about that upcoming Women's Leadership Conference? Yeah, we're really excited. And thank you for the partnership on this. We're really excited for this June 11th event. It'll be about a five-hour virtual uh, online. We have nine trainers, and they're all API women, three keynote speakers, and really talks about the different challenges of API women and how they're perceived, how to speak up, how to, you know, give them the tools so they can navigate some of these stereotypes and how to really think about their leadership and be impactful in their company. I'm really excited for this uh, upcoming. It's our first one. Um, and it was really interesting that we found out that it resonates a lot with the companies, um, you know, given what's happened this last year with the API hate, the killings of uh, in Atlanta, six of the eight people were Asian women. So there, I, I think that it's time to come that we, you know, look at the issues of API women. Some of the studies that we looked at is that API women are the least likely to promote, be promoted uh, among all the different categories in, in management, upper management executives, they have the hardest time um, getting to the C-suite. Yeah, those statistics are the reasons I, I think I'm so excited that we now have a formal MOU with SACE. You know, I think there's some things where, you know, in the beginning, the idea of working together, I think, was very member driven. But we also saw it as a really important component of our DEI journey. And I know one of the things we want to work on is some joint research and some sharing of best practices. And I think, you know, looking at how do we interrupt these biases that Asian women are experiencing in the workplace, um, you know, would be something great to tackle. Because again, obviously, this is talent that is being left behind. And we can't afford to do that. Why would we want to do it, right? 
And so, you know, I, I think that's one of the the great ways that um, this MOU will kind of help both organizations. And then certainly the collaboration at the local level, you know, getting our, our SWE collegiate sections better connected with SACE chapters or, you know, helping form a SACE chapter if there isn't one on campus and really building those relationships early on in the career, right? So that I, I hope your members and our members will kind of be part of each each other's network as they go through their careers. I like the SWE hashtag forward together. Right? It, it is truly that we are better together and that we need to help each other because our missions are aligned. So this MOU with SWE is really the first MOU that we've had with another organization that we're really excited about. And it's just getting started. So thank you for the partnership. Thank you for your support. And, you know, as you mentioned, um, if we can really get it on the ground level, in the chapters, in the sections, on the college level, that they see that as they develop in their career, that these natural relationships, these support will grow and make them become better leaders and we can break through these stereotypes, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about this. So I'm, I'm, I'm ex- I, I can't, you know, on a podcast, you can't wave your arms and <laughs> show how really excited we are on this say side uh, working with Sui. And you, you guys have been around for a lot longer than we have. And so we really appreciate the partnership. So thank you, Karen. Yeah, I, I'm I'm feeling the waving arms and the excitement because I, I feel exactly the same way. And like I said, I think from the first time we met, um, it, it just seemed like a, a collaboration that would be natural. And so I'm sorry that it took us so long to get there. But I think now that we're there, we're, we're really going to be moving forward on some things. And, and so, Con, let me touch on something that I, I think for a lot of us in the, you know, the STEM community or just as citizens of the world has been uh, a little hard to see, which is the the hate and in some cases, you know, extreme violence that the AAPI community has been experiencing during the pandemic. So how has SACE been responding to that? First and foremost, thank you for signing a statement that we issued um, last month on anti-Asian hate. So, you know, SWE, SHIP, OSTEM, and SACE uh, issued a, a joint statement on that. Uh, so thank you for having our back, really. Um, I think it speaks to the collective sigh and collective angst of America when we see this hate. You know, the, the hate has been invisible, as we've talked. It's been around, but it's spiked recently with the, the rhetoric um, and the blaming of Asia for spreading the virus. And so I, I think it brings a focus on the hate that was there. It, it's been amplified and it's increased. And SACE has done a few things um, since then. We've hosted webinars on mental health. We've signed uh, statements with other folks to support the anti-Asian uh, hate bill, the COVID bill that's going through Congress right now. We are trying to support our folks. Uh, we've uh, encouraged fundraising for some of the key organizations that support folks. Uh, for our national conference this year, we're going to do a benefits concert in Atlanta. And that money that is raised will be going to local organizations that support Asian uh, outreach, Asian support, particularly for the elderly. I think it's a tragedy that has brought this focus into view. So. Uh, Again, I think as an organization and 
it really is to your point as a citizen, we have to be aware of some of these things that we may not have been aware of before. And we need to support each other. You know, there's bystander training that we're putting on actually this Wednesday, uh, along with some other organizations. So what happens when you see this hate? How can you be equipped to respond in kind? Um, you know, throughout this whole month, we're we're running webinars every Thursday for our community. Last week, we brought together some industry folks to talk about their personal experience through this time and to put a face and not be invisible, um, that this is affecting your neighbors, your friends who happen to be Asian. And so SACE is really trying to support this community through mental health, uh, through sharings of stories, through public actions. Um, so that's what we're trying to do as a community to really support and encourage the dialogue that's going on among the community and showcase that we are not alone, that we do have allies such as SWE, such as the other organizations who stand up. So we don't have to be alone afraid. And given that the COVID nature isolates everybody, it's more important that we get together. And this podcast is doing that too. So thank you. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, certainly from Swiss perspective, signing on to your statement, I mean, it was just like, of course, we're going to do that. It wasn't even a question. And I know my board, when I when I shared that, you know, I was moving forward with that, they were like, of course, and what else can we do? Which I think, you know, raises another really important question. So what can the other organizations like the, you know, the engineering discipline societies, the other diversity societies, what else can we do? Like, I, I love that you mentioned bystander training. So, you know, making something like that available to our members would be great. But, but what else should we be doing? Well, I think in the STEM community, there are definitely, uh, you know, an Asian community, in particular women of Asian descent in the community, whether, you know, uh, whether it's particularly our organization or other scientific organization or engineering organizations, you really look at your membership, look at your friends and, and see how this COVID uh, has affected them and their family. Because I know many folks, you know, like my parents, when this that happened, I worried for their safety. You know, I told them that they shouldn't be going outside uh, even shopping for groceries, we'd be more than happy to go outside to shop for groceries and support them or order, you know, Uber or whatever to deliver food for them because, you know, it, it, it's a concern. Um, and we see that. Um, so, so basically check on your friends to see how they're doing. As you mentioned, the bystander training. So if you do see um, an act of anti-Asian hate, you know how to respond. And, uh, and the other thing is learn more about the cultural aspect of why Asians don't speak up because we're taught as a young age not to speak up, not to complain. You know, uh, we have a saying that the, the nails that sticks out gets hammered down or the loud duck <laughs> gets shot. Mm -hmm. So we're taught culturally not to speak up. So having uh, a friend reach out to me and some of my friends have, some of my good friends have asked me how I'm doing. So I appreciate uh, those, you know, uh, touching base with me to see how we're doing um, is very much appreciated. So on, on a personal level, ask how your friends are doing, see if they need anything. And then I think the education piece, you know, the bystander training and learning about the cultures that folks come from um, would help. 
Yeah. And and I think it's important, you know, when you were talking about being invisible and this idea of the model minority, uh, I just recently learned a statistic about uh, Asians and hunger, specifically in the New York City area during the pandemic. And I mean, the percentage was startling. And, and it was sort of a reminder to me of, of like, I need to learn more. I need to do better to understand what's happening in the community. And like you said, to reach out to people and see how they're doing and see if they need help. And it's sort of these simple acts of human kindness. Um, I, I think it's like, you know, it's a shame that we need reminders of that, but I guess we do. Yeah, it, it's surprising if you dig into the data side, you know, being a STEM person, some of the Asian segments are some of the poorest, least educated groups of any groups. Um, because of the situation that came, whether it was war, poverty, or other situations that brought them to the United States. So they didn't have, you know, some of the advantages. So, you know, again, as you said, human kindness is sometimes uh, we have to be reminded of it. And reaching out to your friends, uh, educating yourself is one way of, I think, making, you know, the United States better, because we are a very diverse organization. I'm American. I'm not just, you know, I was born in Vietnam, but I consider myself very American. I love apple pie. I love watching sports, you know. So I just can't uh, say how American I feel in that sense. But it's sad that I have to say that because we are seen, you know, Asian Americans are seen more as foreigners. I've been asked, where are you from? No, no, where are you really from? So I'm, I think, I'm really from Denver. <laughs> yeah, I've lived here 40 plus years of my life. Oh, your English is so well, right? Mm. <laughs> uh, I speak English, yes. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, as we see each other, uh, not with labels and not with these stereotypes, is to your point, see each other as human beings, as fellow Americans. I think that will help too. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. And so maybe let's end on a, a positive note. What advice do you have for the next generation of AAPI uh, engineers and STEM professionals? I have a lot of hope for the next generation. I think that the younger generation has grabbed some of these issues by the horn and really address it. They are very active. They're very passionate about, you know, seeing a diverse STEM community and they really care about their fellow human beings. Um, so I would say to the young generations, keep doing what you're doing, you know, make these bonds, make these outreach that you're doing, because I think the younger generations don't have as much, you know, stereotyping. They're much more open to the possibility of what could be, you know, the American dream, the ideals that were put on paper and, you know, two, 300 years ago, I think it's important that, you know, we try to strive for them. And the younger generations are, you know, I think they, they really live and breathe that more so than some of those old folks. So I have a lot of hope in this generation. So I would say, keep it up, you know, make the, the world better than what we left. We're leaving it for them. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think they're going to hold us accountable. I mean, oh, yeah. even with our, our collegiate students, I mean, the questions I hear them asking, not only about SWE, but about prospective employers and that, they're really going to accept nothing less. And so I, I think that's great. I'm I'm hopeful as well. I feel like this, this generation may just be the generation that, you know, diversity and, and equity and inclusion just becomes a fabric of who we are. 
Yep, they are. They, they, sometimes I look to them for inspiration. I really do. Sometimes uh, I think we need to step out of the way. <laughs> so, I know. <laughs> I know. I, I wish I could have been that brave at 20 or 21. Right. Um, they, Cause they just are. So that's um, yeah, I, I agree. Let's all be hopeful. Well, Khan, thank you so much for your time today. I have to say, you know, after our conversation, I'm more excited and more energized about our partnership than I even was at the beginning of the conversation. And I, I see only good things coming for both our communities by working together. And so I really do appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Karen, thank you for having me on Swiss podcast. As always, you know, when first we met a while back, I said, you know, I have tremendous respect for Sui. I was actually a Sui member in college. And um, what you've done with the organization and what Sui has done to support women is amazing. So it's a pleasure, my pleasure to be on this podcast. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And so I'm Karen Hording. And for all of us at Sui, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diverse. If you feel inspired to make a positive change in your career, make sure to register for SWE's professional development workshops by visiting www.exec.swe.org and www.advancedlearning.swe.org. Please don't forget to leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform and share this episode with your social network. Thanks for listening.